When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. I don't know why I did that. Uh, <laughs> Ali Moreno with us here in the studio. Only one place to start today, and that is, of course, the Premier League, where Brentford beat Liverpool by three goals to one. The hosts were brilliant in the first half. We, of course, saw the own goal, which broke the deadlock between the two sides. Vita actually scored two more goals, but were cancelled out because of VAR. He got his third and Brentford's second just before the break. A break that saw Liverpool make three changes, including... Van Dijk coming off. Klopp said that that was precautionary. The substitutes made an impact in the second half. Liverpool a little bit better. Oxley chamberlain making it 2-1 five minutes after the break. But in the end, Embueno would score late to give Brentford a 3-1 victory. That a somewhat controversial goal. Jurgen Klopp overall not happy with the ref after the game. The game got decided by the second goal in the end. Uh, which is absolutely our fault, nothing else. Second goal decided the game, third goal shouldn't have been um, allowed and we should have played better because the, the, through with these set pieces, Brentford has always the chance to, to create chaos. That's what they do and they do that really well. I respect that a lot and it's really good and well organised and everything. The second goal is a present. It's a present to, to, to Brentford and that's um, yeah, the one I'm obviously really angry about the others, one should have been disallowed, the others is, is unlucky. When I say they stretch the rules in offensive set pieces, as don't get me wrong, so you, that's smart, but they do. If you would, it would, would single out all the situations, you would see, find five fouls, but because it's so chaotic, nobody sees it in the end. So, um, and that's what they do, and it's really good. It's really, really good. And, and how, they, how they react on different things. And they play against us like this, and they play against other teams playing football, and it's a fantastic job he's doing here. The club can be really happy that he signed until 2037, or what? It's really long, right? Um, <laughs> couple of passive-aggressive backhanded compliments there to Brentford, a Brentford side now, who are just two points off Liverpool in sitting sixth, Brentford in seventh, uh, for a lot more on this end. Welcome in, shall we? Jan Fjortov, Ian Dark, once again we say Happy New Year uh, to Steve Nicol. Stevie, before we get into the actual incidents throughout the match, let's just focus on the game overall. What did you make of it? I don't think it really turned out any different than what we thought it probably would. You know, you predicted you a Liverpool Brentford, win yesterday. Well, I, well, if you give me two seconds, I'll get to to my reasons. Yeah, I, when I say it's kind of what we thought, I'm talking about the physicality of Brentford. You know, you had Klopp there talking about, you know, the situations, the free kicks for and against, where they're really physical and they manhandle you. So that's not a shock. Oh, guess what? Brentford go and close the ball down. They harry you. They hustle you. They make it hard for you. They're physical with you. Oh, is that a shock? I mean, nothing. Nothing that Brentford did in this game is a shock or should be a shock to anybody. 
the surprise is the scoreline. And the, the scoreline is a surprise because if you think of the amount of ball Liverpool had, if you're Klopp, you should be worried about what little chances you did create. Listen, you, there's, I don't think you can argue that Brentford probably shaded it in the first half. Uh, but Liverpool still had uh, the two best chances. One magnificent clearance from Ben Mee, another one Simicast should have scored. Listen, he's got he's got the whole goal to aim at. Uh, make a, the goalie makes a good save, but I mean they're the best chances in the game. But for all the possession, for all the ball, for all the pressure in the second half, other than Oxley Chamberlain's header, Liverpool, I didn't get the, impress, the, the impression they were going to score. Uh, so. The game itself went the way I thought it would. I just didn't think the final result would be the one that, that I thought it would. And as far as the third goal, I'm glad it didn't. It wasn't the deciding factor in the victory, because you can argue for and against it. The fact is, is that Liverpool, with all the ball they had, have to create more chances and score more goals. Uh, yeah, and I think Stevie's been a bit generous in that first half performance from Liverpool. I thought they were turgid. Yeah, and I was at Anfield looking uh, against Leicester, and they were terrible at that uh, game as well. Lucky that they had a guy who decided to score two own goals. And I think, they, yes, they had a ball, but they didn't know what to do with the ball. And Stevie is right with the, with the set pieces. Yes, the compliment goes to, to Frank, the, the Brentford manager. I think Brentford do exactly what they need to do when they play against Liverpool and there's maybe a lot of talk about Nunez not scoring goals but that's not the problem at all the problem in Liverpool Football Club at the moment they look tired they look old they look slow and, and that is not a good sign for them because the club teams we know they need the intensity you need midfielders are running and aggression and everything and, and it's not there at the moment. And when you when you look at the team, you will think that when coming into this transfer window, midfielders, yes, desperate to get midfielders in there and so on. But I think for a long time now, we talked a lot about everything else. The problem with Liverpool, they're conceding two easy goals. And Van Dijk was taken off because of, you said the word, which is hard for Norwegians, the precursors, uh, or uh, to, not, not to get injured, uh, of course. But Van Dijk, he, he looks a bit insecure as well in that role. And that is that makes it contagious for the other defenders back there. Uh, a lot has been said about uh, Arnold, but I think that at the moment Van Dijk doesn't look like the leader either. Where's the spark? Mm. Yeah, a couple of things about this game. Yes, the spark wasn't there from Liverpool. And when we have fallen in love with Liverpool in the past has been because of that spark, because of that intensity, that's not there. And when they win a few games in a row, it's like, oh, they're turning the season around. Not quite. Even in those wins, there were moments of vulnerability for Liverpool that we saw again today. To Jurgen Klopp's comments about the set pieces for Brentford. If you know full well that this is what they do, it's no secret to anybody. We all know coming into this match that Brentford is going to lean heavily on set pieces. So set pieces, yes, you depend on a good service. But a lot of it is desire to get to the ball and attack the ball first. And if you know this is what Brentford does, then you should address it. To the point to where it shouldn't be free headers. And they were... Indeed, at times, free headers for Brentford in multiple set pieces. And let's not forget that a couple goals got disallowed from set pieces because of size here, of size there. But in order to get to those points in which the goals were disallowed, Brentford were winning the first ball, and the second ball, and the third ball, and Liverpool unable to clear their lines. The other thing that I would say, if you want to picture what Liverpool was all about in this game, once the second goal is disallowed from Wisa in the first half, 
The ball is now, they've gone to VAR, the ball is now at the feet of Liverpool. Yes, now they're playing out of the back with all the pressure that Brentford were in the front foot, the stadium was on top of Liverpool. Okay, here we go. What are we going to do? All right, we're going to play it short. And here we go, Harvey Elliott, let me give you this ball. And it's unawareness. It's, it's lack of understanding what the game calls for. And I'm pointing out Harvey Elliott, but I could point out many other players in Liverpool. He decides that the best course of action is, I'm going to let the ball go through my legs. They lose possession of the ball. One pass forward, second passes across. And even having that, all, the, all of that happen, the center backs from Liverpool, nowhere to be found. We set wide open, good header and goal. They were second best to everything today. That lack of intensity, that lack of urgency is what's concerning. Because it's the one thing that you knew you needed to bring against Bradford in order to be successful, and they never brought it. And, and that's the thing, and that would be really concerning for me, Ian, if I was a Liverpool fan, is that this isn't a one-off for the season. This isn't an anomaly. This isn't just a bad day at the office. We've seen it far too much, haven't we? Yeah, I think some of their games have resembled basketball matches, to be honest with you. They look flaky. Uh, that was the word that came to my mind watching the first half of that game. Brentford could have scored more than they did. I just wonder whether Jurgen Klopp might have to reconsider the way they, they go about their, their whole style with the two fullbacks pushed up very high. And then you're basically defending with the two centre-backs. As you've been saying, um, Van Dijk's not been quite himself this season. They say he was taken off as a precaution today. I wonder whether that was just a cover story, where it, whether he really was hooked, which would be unprecedented, of course, for Liverpool. But maybe just underlines where they are at the moment. Like Jan was saying, against Leicester, they got away with it in that game with two own goals. They weren't good by their own admission. Um, I don't see them recovering, really. This season, I think they'll do very, very well to make the top four. I think they're going to have to concentrate on the Champions League and they've got the holders in the way there as well, Real Madrid. This is really bad, isn't it, Stevie? Yes, uh, but I, I, I can't honestly say I'm shocked. I've been, I've been saying for a long time that, that Liverpool can't defend against anybody. I mean, they can't stop anybody getting at them. You know, I, I, I'm actually sitting here thinking about what I said earlier, and I'm thinking, you know what? If I'm Klopp, I'm thinking about you know, having so much of the ball, not creating chances. Well, well, yeah, that is correct. But I guess, overall, his biggest worry is they can't defend in the middle of the park. Full stop. They can't do it. They don't have the personnel to do it. Ever since he signed Thiago Alcantara, I've been trying to tell you that he can't defend against the ball. Yes, he's fantastic with the ball at his feet and he'll pick a pass and, and land it on a dime, but he can't stop anybody running past him and he can't stop anybody getting at him. Harvey Elliott's learning his trade, I've said it a hundred times again, and he can't stop anybody getting through. So you've got so you've got Fabinho in the middle of the park pretty much on his own, who can't get close enough because he's too busy trying to figure out where to be because there are so many holes around him. So you can't win games in the Premier League if you're in the middle of your field. Can't stop anybody. And I mean anybody. I'm talking the team in last place to the team at the top of the league. If you can't stop them getting to your back four, then you're in trouble. And then if you look at the back four, you talk about this. Football's all about decision-making. And when Liverpool at their best, defensively, the decision-making was fantastic. And number one decision-making as a defender, and particularly as a centre-back, is your starting position. You stand in position and you're understanding of what's going on around you. And that second goal stunk of absolutely horrible starting positions. You've got Van Dyke, who's far too close to the ball. He's got two players between him and the ball, but he's still away past the near post. 
You've got Fabinho, who's gone all the way back in and standing on the six-yard line. You've got Canati, who's actually picking Fabinho up, when you've got Vissa standing behind Canati, who gets a free header. I mean, it's just horrible. So, so Klopp's problems are absolutely 100% the middle of the park, cannot defend when they lose the ball, and right now you've got a back four, including the supposed best centre-back on the planet, who's not at his best and is not inspiring anybody around them. Good luck winning games when you can't defend from the back and you can't defend in the middle of the park. All the best. Stevie, as you say, you've been saying for a while now, Liverpool will give you chances. So how much of a concern is it that Klopp doesn't seem to have done anything to address this situation? Well, you can only, you can only change the personnel. And if you don't think you have personnel that's better than what you've got then you can't, all you can do is go on the training field, but again, you can go on the training field all day, every day, 24 hours a day, but on the field of play players make decisions and that back line, at one time, was easily and was the best back four uh, on the planet with with the four players I'm talking, the, the, the that were on the field at one time, Robertson and Alexander-Arnold as your full-backs um, you had Matip, who was fantastic, uh, and Van Dijk. That back line was absolutely brilliant, along with Alisson, who was at his best. It was impregnable. As I said, it's about decision-making, and each and every one of them at different times is making poor decisions. Uh, and so you see, you see, that's what you get. You get mistakes, you give up chances, and the ball ends up in the back of your net. Ian? Yeah, I was just going to say, Stevie makes a great point about opposition teams are flooding through that midfield. They don't have enough steel in there at the moment. Uh, Fabinho's had a very indifferent season. He's the one guy who might have broken up the play. I don't know why they don't or didn't consider, uh, maybe they will consider, making a, a beeline for somebody like Amrabat, who was outstanding at the World Cup. Um, I don't know whether Fiorentina, whether he's available, what the situation is. Chelsea have made a move, haven't they, in that department because of the continuing injuries and contract question mark over Conte. They've gone and got Luis Fernandez, the Argentinian who starred at the World Cup. I do think they need to buy a dynamic kind of holding midfield player to plug that gap. I, I think what you can, Dan, if you may say, if you compare them with Manchester United, and I had an uh, interesting discussion with Craig Burley the other night about Manchester United, but you see the big difference between them and Liverpool now. First of all, they don't concede goals, but it's still, and Steve is talking about it as well, the balance, this lack of balance in the team. So the, the back four are more or less the same with your Konata today and the third goal. I, I have, must disagree big time with, with Klopp. He looked like a under seven team player Konat in that situation and the balance when you have a Manchester United or we have a Varane or you have Casemiro that balance is so good and in Liverpool you don't see that at the moment and then they see seem to be insecure straight away when it's not there so the defined role if, if we're going to criticise Klopp for something is it looks like yes Steve is right that it's all about decision making but it looks like the defined role now between the central defenders and the central midfield is not there and yes, Thiago is that great magician that can do anything with a ball. But when you can't defend, that also keep that will make the defenders more insecure. And that you see at Liverpool now, even with these great players, they look insecure. Uh, Jan brought up a third goal, Stevie. You mentioned it briefly. What was your take on it? 
Yeah, can I go to do better? I mean, come on. There's one thing to be trying to be clever and get yourself in front of the attacker so that he does bang, so he does bang into the back of you and then you go down. You know, it's the oldest trick in the book. However, if you're going to do that, you've got to do it properly. And, and he just... He, just he, he, he didn't do anything. He either clear it out or else you, you do it properly. He ended up doing neither. He, he, he almost instigated the... The, the the collision with him and Boomer, but Boomer didn't particularly hit him very hard. In fact, Boomer had no option because of the position that 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 Kanati put himself in in front of Boomer that there was contact. But was there enough contact for a foul? Even even me, certainly with my Liverpool glasses on, I'm shaking my head when the ball goes in the net, and I wasn't crying for a foul. I can assure mm. you, you got Kanati's got to do way better than that. There's some great noises coming from the Nico household today. Uh, Darwin Nunez, Ali. What about him? When's he going to score? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, he must have thought once he got around the goalkeeper, once he got around Raya, here it is. I'm going to score. And then Ben Mee makes a save. And so is it a miss or good defending? Well, I think it's good defending because uh, Darwin Nunez is off balance as he gets around the goalkeeper. But he's thinking he's shooting into an empty goal, so he's putting it into the back of the net. Ben Mee makes a good play. But here's the problem. We're not talking about Ben Mee. We're talking about Darwin Nunez. And the reason we're talking about Darwin Nunez is because for all the work and all the running in behind and all the running with the ball, the final product is not quite there. He puts himself in good positions. He gets himself in good areas. He works a lot for the team. He runs it behind. He threatens that space in behind. I, I actually think that Liverpool don't use him enough in running in behind and that Liverpool would be better serving being more direct with Darwin Nunez. And yet, it's that final touch. And that's the one that we're going to look at because all the hard work uh, goes for nothing if you cannot make it count, if you cannot make a game-changing play, whether it's an assist or whether that's a goal. And because... The price tag that comes with Darwin Nunez, you put all of those things together, and of course he is going to be the focal point. The point of a player who now people are getting nervous about Darwin Nunez and asking the question, is this guy for real? I would say give him some time. The issue is, is that Liverpool is not winning enough to give some time to Darwin Nunez. If Liverpool were winning and he was missing chances, this wouldn't be a big conversation. But Liverpool is not winning and Darwin Nunez is missing chances. He's not scoring goals. So therefore, it becomes a crisis. Uh, yeah, and any striker, of course, goes through like kind of this barren spell, some more than others. Is it just a case of getting one and then he's off and flying? <laughs> Yes and no. Uh, I mean, the one who was offside today was a great finish, to be fair to him. And uh, he will think, well, the world is against you. I mean, you, you know, the first sign of a striker when you're getting a bit desperate is, if, is when your manager say, well, you're getting in good positions. I mean, now Nunez will just hope to be in a wrong position and, and, and it hits, <laughs> the ball hits him and he will score a goal. But I think that Nunez will come right for Liverpool. I think that he is, is a striker who will get his goals. But this this is a terrible stage to be in. I've been there myself. I, I've said it before. It was the worst 30 minutes of my life. But it's still, it was a, you've been there <laughs> and you just, you just think you will never score again. And that is a terrible, terrible feeling for a striker. But I think, is, is Nunez a goal getter? No, he's not a goal getter. He is a goal scorer. But now at the moment, he's just a striker, if you know what I'm saying. I don't think he's that goal getter guy that will get his three, four, five rebounds 
easy goals. He has to work for every goal. But I think he will be okay. But it's all now a matter of that thing in his head. It's nothing to do with his uh, ability. It's nothing to do with his attitude. Now is everything in that uh, striker's head. We didn't. We not only saw Nunez, Nunez miss a chance, but Salah as well, Steve, who's nowhere near his best at the moment, which isn't helping things. No, exactly. Um, yeah, I guess. I guess if just Salah, though, though you've you've <laughs> you got money in the bank. Um, I can't remember the last time he had a bad spell. Um, so you get you get away with it, you know. Yes, you want to see him coming inside and sticking balls in the top corner. He's not quite doing that, which obviously would help Nunez uh, if he's not putting the ball in net, which he's not. But I'll tell you what, if, if, if you asked Klopp what his problems are, he wouldn't even think Nunez was a problem. This kid will be fine, I wouldn't worry about it. But Salah, yeah, he needs to step up again. Uh, but as I said, he's, he's got money in the bank, so it's kind of difficult to start having a go at him, really. The game's, of course, coming uh, thick and fast in England as attention will turn to the FA Cup uh, coming up this weekend. Uh, live and exclusive on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, Liverpool in action on Saturday afternoon. They play host to Wolves at Anfield. Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Meanwhile, cracking match, of course, tomorrow. First versus third. Arsenal sitting top of the table. Play host to Newcastle. Nine points separating them go into this tie. Ian, there's so many reasons to be looking forward to this match. I think it's a fascinating game, isn't it? People keep saying that Arsenal are going to slip up, that it's all going to go wrong for them. Uh, you know, they're not going to cope because... Gabriel Jesus is unfit for three months, but young Eddie Nketiah has come in and he scored in both of the last two games. They keep on winning. I did think in the last half an hour, 
uh, Brighton with all the subs they made. It kind of weakened them, and they nearly let Brighton get back into that game. But it was just a hiccup. They'd already got four goals. At the other end, it was another three points. And, and Newcastle, it's kind of like an acid test, isn't it, for Eddie Howe's team? They've only lost once all season. They've drawn mm. at Manchester United. They've won at Spurs. They're, they don't let in hardly any goals. I think they've let in two in the last nine matches. And I've just got a hunch that faced with this kind of fixture, they might just shock Arsenal. Uh, let's take a look at how everybody thinks this game is going to go as we ask for your predictions uh, before we started today's show. Uh, Ali, myself and Jan are going for Arsenal. Stevie's going for the draw. But you fancy Ian Newcastle to get the win there. Yeah, I do. I mean, sometimes it's just a feeling rather than, rather than reasons. But I think Eddie Howe has moulded a, a, a very good unit there. They've got a great spirit about against them. Um, OK, they missed those chances against Leeds United and were held to a nil-nil draw. That was a bit of a shock. And some people will say, oh, they're, they're losing their way. They're losing their form. But I think they're, they're mighty impressive. And I think they just might be able to nick it because I don't think Arsenal's defence looked exactly convincing at Brighton. Uh, obviously, you're not going for an Arsenal win, Stevie, with your anti-Arsenal ways. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. I'm praying. <laughs> my last chance. This is my last chance. <laughs> I don't forget, it's your, it's your last chance, uh, Stevie. Uh, we'll, of course, be reflecting on this game uh, on the next edition of the show. But before we let Stevie go, uh, should we take a look at Stevie's preps uh, for today's show? Oh, here we go. Here, here we, we go. go. Ready? Uh-huh. Look at uh-huh. this. this is professional. Like... <laughs> professional. A true professional. Oh, where's the tongue? Well, the tongue comes out soon, which is a, a treat for everybody. Oh, 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 oh. get it. Okay, get man. it. Don't miss a spot. Do not miss a spot. Wait, oh, but... oh, oh, oh. <laughs> what's, what's going on? I can't see anything here. What's going on? Uh, oh, it's better that you don't see it, Stevie. Uh, we've got your uh, makeup routine, Stevie. Before, uh, yeah. before, it, it's quite oh, something. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, before the thing. Yes. Well, <laughs> oh, you look good, Stevie. It looks like you're 69 now. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very professional, yes, Steve. Yes, it's almost as if you've done it before. Do you have a mirror to do it on? Well, I normally do it before I come down the stair, but I, I was like, I hadn't done it, so I thought, I'll just shoot. There you go, I can look at the screen and do it. I don't think you were going to tape it. Yeah. Uh, that's a rookie move. That's a rookie mistake. How did that happen? Uh, the magic. Be, just be careful. Be careful what you ever do in front of the camera, Stevie. We'll say uh, thank you very much. Uh, we'll of course be <laughs> reflecting no, on Arsenal's clash against Newcastle <laughs> on the next edition of the show. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Uh, this was brilliant. Uh, this is McAllister returning to Brighton for the first time since uh, being part of that Argentinian side hey! to win the world. God, this was a really nice video. Wasn't yes, it? it was. It was like my living room. New Year's Eve. Well, it was like World Cup there. <laughs> what? what? No, we didn't win anything, and yet still got to clean it up. Uh, this was great, though. Yeah, really cool. Fantastic scenes there at Brighton as they welcomed back uh, their World Cup winner. Uh, meanwhile, reports are suggesting Enzo Fernandez to Chelsea is almost a done deal. It's a lot of money as well, over 120 million to get in from Benfica. Chelsea, of course, need beefing up at the moment, need something in their squad to give them the spark. In your opinion, Jan, is Enzo Fernandez the player to do that? Can I say yes and no again? Because I, I watched uh, Chelsea yesterday and, and I think they look terrible. So you, you said it right. They need a spark. They need a world champion. They need something. They have to learn from Brighton when he arrives in the dressing room because they need him. Having said that, there is always players that impress you at tournaments and then they go for a big, big fee and then they mm. disappoint you. Will Fernandes be one of them? I'm, I'm not sure. I, I like him, but, but still... If he is the answer to to, uh, to 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 Chelsea, I'm not sure about the question because there are so many things going on at Chelsea at the moment. But of course, get a player in 21 year of age, a world champion is an understatement to say that's not a good signing. Uh, obviously, and you would have seen him at the World Cup. How good an acquisition is this, or how much of a risk is it? As Jan says, that he might just be a World Cup wonder. Well, they do say that, don't they? they? Don't sign players on the back of what they do at, at big tournaments. And maybe he could be a bit emotionally spent from everything that happened with Argentina and all the celebrations since. But I've got to say, playing for Benfica before that in the Champions League, um, he looked a very good acquisition there. So it's been a meteoric rise. The fee is on the steep side, but they've got N'Golo Conte hit by a lot of injuries now and maybe coming towards the end of his time at Chelsea. So they do need somebody else in there. I wonder whether that might mean Jorginho is going to be going towards the exit door at Chelsea. I mean, like Jan said, there's a lot going on at Chelsea, a lot of change. It's a club kind of in transition with the manager as well. So this might be a bit of a fallow season for them, one where they don't for once make the top four. Nobody benefited more from the slow start to the World Cup for Argentina than Enzo Fernandez. Mm -hmm. He was not in the starting lineup to begin with. They lose to Saudi Arabia. They're having some difficulties against Mexico. Comes off the bench, scores a goal, and then was now a starter for the rest of the tournament. Not only was he a starter, he became a critical part to their success. And while we like to focus on the fact that him having done well in the World Cup is the reason as to why he's going to Chelsea, that may have accelerated the process. But to Ian's point, Enzo Fernandez has been doing this with Benfica over the last 18 18 months or so, where you have found a player that has the willingness 
to have the ball at his feet, to possess the ball, but also run with the ball and run out of the midfield and be an option in the attack. Does that translate for success at Chelsea? We'll wait and see. But at the very least, you have enough evidence, not just the World Cup, don't just focus on the World Cup. We have enough evidence that this is a player at 21 years old whose uh, risk worth taking. And certainly, once you see what he was able to do in high moments of pressure, like the World Cup, with all the hopes of a nation, Leo Messi, the storylines and everything, and yet he was critical to the success, as I said before. Again, this is a player that many teams around the world would want and I think Chelsea would be happy to have. Uh, Chelsea, of course, have been quite active in the transfer market over the 2022. Uh, how would you describe uh, their transfer policy, Jan? With the ABBA song, money, money, money. I mean, uh, it <laughs> seems that it seems that they are buying. Well, they are buying for fun. I guess that is that's the right thing to say. What, what I do think now is a big problem with Chelsea Football Club is that Graham Potter is desperate to get a shape, get his organisation, get his philosophy into that club, and then mm, are the players there to to kind of get into that philosophy and we, where do you start? Do you start with the players? Do you start with Graham Potter's philosophy? Uh, and yes, Fernandez, great player, great prospect, great age, world champion and so on. But where will he then fit in and can he fit in straight away? Because Potter, he needs to get results now. There's no way that we all want him to succeed. He's an Englishman. His, his career, uh, coaching career has been fantastic. Going to Sweden, make a miracle there with Östersund. And then suddenly now he is by Chelsea. But, but he needs to win football games. I mean, there is no chance that he will survive if he, if he keeps on playing like they did yesterday. I guess, I guess Forrest in the second half. Forrest looked like the top four team, not Chelsea. Mm. Uh, Chelsea in big trouble. Be interested to see if Enzo Fernandez can help them out. Uh, meanwhile, of course, it's a big fee for Enzo Fernandez. Not as big though as a certain, certain Cristiano Ronaldo who has <laughs> touched down uh, in Saudi Arabia. Of course, uh, making that big money new move to Al Nasir. Uh, what's being dragged up are these quotes that Rudy Garcia said before he signed. Uh, first, I wanted to bring Messi from Doha. Oh, oh that's now, now, I'm sure this has gone down marvelously well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can you can you imagine can you imagine Cristiano Ronaldo if you've seen the last two months of his life with Piers Morgan with what happened in the World Cup so the the manager wants to crack crack a joke so then you think maybe I could say that I wanted Messi I mean hello yeah. hello <laughs> Uh, it's interesting, we're talking about Ronaldo now, Ian, but less and less now as this time goes on, given the choice that he's made to move out there. Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of sad in the way, because you might remember last summer that he was angling for a move so he could play in the Champions League, not to, you know, not with, not with Manchester United in the Europa. So, um, you know, it, it didn't happen, and, and now he's obviously taken a pragmatic decision and maybe he has accepted that now he probably has got to an age where he's not going to be an automatic pick at the big clubs in Europe and um, well he's cashing in the chips I mean it's more than just the chips isn't it it's like a, a gold bullion heist isn't it <laughs> it's it's incredible money um, but you know I Whatever happens with him we're always going to be talking about him something will happen he just loves being in the headlines Hey, the money's he's on, he could afford those curtains, Ian. Yeah, very much so. It's the first time you've been on since he made the move. Uh -huh. Are you surprised? 
I'm, I'm, first of all, he has earned the right to make this decision. Sure. So Cristiano Ronaldo, and given his career, he's in a position where if somebody wants to throw ridiculous, crazy money at him, he's, he's earned the right to make the decision and say, you know what, I'll take your crazy money. Fine, you give me that, I'll go ahead and take it. What I would have said to Cristiano is that maybe not right away, but you would have had crazy money available to you in Major League Soccer, not, not perhaps from the playing part, but all the opportunities that would have opened up in front of you in a market that you would have dominated when it comes to soccer. And you would have been able to cross over outside of the soccer world into the pop culture world. Anything and everything that he would have wanted would have been available to him, reality shows, what have you. Anything, everything would have been out there for him. And I just don't think that in going to Saudi Arabia, that opens up. In fact, I think he now goes to an area in which we just don't know what's happening, but, and it's kind of forgotten. And whenever he scores a goal, we'll show it because, hey, Cristiano scored a goal. And that's about but, it. That'll be, that'll be the end of the conversation. If he were in MLS, I think it would have opened a multitude of opportunities for him. But I think, I think that uh, what, what is Cristiano Ronaldo, as Al say, he can go wherever he wants. I mean, there are, they can go after money, do whatever they want. But I think the problem with Cristiano Ronaldo is that in three, four months, he, his communication strategy has been terrible. I mean, everything he's done. And I know the only communication strategy, also body language, how he reacted at the World Cup and everything. But he's 37. He will go now to... To Saudi Arabia, he's still, in one or two years, he will be remembered as the great player he is. Uh, he's going there, have, have his thing. He can buy probably Portugal when he comes back. doesn't matter. He will be back. Even at Manchester United, when it come, goes a bit time now, he will be remembered as the big legend that he is. So I don't think that would hurt him. He's coming to an end, and that's it. That's happening to everybody. Uh, just a reminder, and that is a transfer that is done to keep up to date with all of those that may be on the precipice of being done or oh. might not be done or might not be true. Uh, be, well, no, they are true. I still will be on the website. Uh, be sure to check out your uh, transfer talk over on the website. Meanwhile, quite the scenes in Brazil today as Pele's body was transported early this morning from the Sao Paulo Ho Hospital where he'd been receiving care when he died to the uh, Via Biamori Stadium in Santos. The stadium's doors opened at 10 a.m. for the 24-hour wake. A procession will be held through the streets of Santos tomorrow before a private burial um, where, of course, his, uh, his mother will see the body before he goes to the private spot in which he and the family chose. Uh, I think I'm right in thinking this is the first time I've had the opportunity to speak to all three of you since Pele's passing. Ian, just the, the memories that he conjures up? Well, I was a little boy when Brazil won the 1958 World Cup and I was watching it on a black and white television and... All the talk was of him there as well when he was only 17. I mean, he really was a wonderful player. He had absolutely everything. Power, personality, fantastic header of the ball. I mean, there have been so many stories that have come out in the last few days. And I liked, I liked the quote from Bergnich, the Italian defender who was trying to mark him at the 1970 World Cup. Um, <laughs> when Brazil won 4-1 in the final. He said, I told myself before the game that he was just flesh and bones, but it turned out I was wrong about that. Um, <laughs> that was his quote. And the other one was, was John Walk, who was starred with him, the, the old Ipswich and Scotland player, who, who was in that film Escape to Victory with Pele. And they were filming a shot 
um, where the director wanted an overhead bicycle kick hit into a uh, into the net, and they figured they were going to have to do about a dozen, twenty takes maybe of this because he wanted the ball. Pele said, "Which part of the net do you want it to be hit in?" First take they did, he hit exactly the the bit of rigging with a bicycle kick. They needed one take. That was it. So yeah, that was Pele. <laughs> Brilliant, brilliant. Ali, I imagine growing up in South America, mm. you've heard a lot about him from the generation of, above you. Right, and so I never obviously saw Pele play, but of course you have the videos upon videos upon videos, and he's always been the reference point. So any Brazilian player who shows any sort of promise at any point in their career, they say, well, how does he stack to Pelé. Mm-hmm. That's the standard. And it will always be the standard. And no matter what happens from here into the future, Pelé will remain the standard for Brazilian football and world football, for that matter. Anybody from Brazil who has ever been a player gets compared to Pelé. Beyond that, as I then grew up and went on to become a professional, we were opening up the stadium in 2003 in L.A. with the L.A. Galaxy, what was at the time the Home Depot Center. And Pelé, we didn't know this, but Pelé was taking the ceremonial first kick. When he walked on the field, and it's Pelé, and you're opening the stadium, stadium is packed, you can't quite describe the power of the presence of Pelé. Again, never saw him play, had never spoken to him before, and I could feel right. the aura. Yeah. You almost feel uncomfortable with getting close to greatness because you know there is something around him that he has achieved so much, that he has touched so many lives and affected and impacted so many lives. I'm not worthy of having this distance to you. That sort of feeling is what you get, or that's the feeling I got when Pelé was walking in front of me. It's like, I'm looking around, it's, that's Pelé. Pelé's here. (laughs) Pelé's here, right? It's only a few people in the world that have that sort of power. It's it's Michael Jordan that we're talking about. It's that sort of category. And, again, he crossed over. He he wasn't just a player because while a player he was successful, while a player he scored a bunch of goals, but there is no explanation as to why little kids right now know about Pelé. They have no connection with Pelé, and yet Pelé is the name that they know from world football. That is something that I think uh, resonates, and it's something that will live on forever. Yeah. Well, the boys have described it uh, very well. I'm, I'm, I'm very getting very emotional when when Messi won the World Cup. I, I tweeted that Messi was the greatest footballer of all time, and then when Pelé was struggling there at the end, I realized that I did a mistake because I mean, you you have to say the greatest footballer of all time is Pelé, and and Al said it. With Michael Jordan, Muhammad Ali, or, or Pelé, known ar- around the whole world, and I never met him. Unfortunately, never met him. But there's one thing that the human being Pelé. Everybody talking about his aura, his charisma that he's got, and it's also interesting now with all the photos we've seen in all different channels. He's always smiling. There's always something smile on his face. And Ian was a little boy in 58. We, we, the rest of us can only read about that. And when this Brazilian team came to Sweden in 1958, this was sensational the way they played. They, they, they took that enjoyment of football into our lovely game. And in the front, a 17-year-old that amazed the whole world. So one of the greatest, if not the greatest, sportsman of all time has passed away 
Ian, as a kid watching him, did you already realise you were watching something special? Yeah, because just the way that the, the commentators of the time spoke about him. And remember then, things were rather different. These days, we see the players who star at the World Cup for Brazil and Argentina. We see them playing in the Champions League, a lot of them. Back then, all the South American players had a huge mystique around them. So you only ever saw them, really, at the World Cup. I mean, yeah, later he went on tour and played all those friendly matches for Santos, even turned up at places like Stoke City on a wet Tuesday night. <laughs> I think they won 3-2 there, by the way. But um, then, you know, players like Rivellino and Gerson, Tostal, Didi, Vava, all these names that you read about, um, we only ever saw them then. So who were these Brazilians? Uh, like Jan was saying there, you know, they wowed the whole planet in 1958 with the football they were playing. They won the final 5-2 against Sweden. They weren't just winning football matches. They were sweeping teams aside with breathtaking football. And, of course, Pele was at the heart of all that. I mean, we really, you know, the icon, legend, those words have become overused, but we really have lost a, a huge icon and legend. You know, yeah, three World Cups, the greatest. It has been incredible, the stories that have been shared from people of all generations after the passing of Pelé, a story, of course, that made worldwide headlines, but particularly in Brazil, where he was so, so special. Many say that it's because of him Brazil were put on the map. Uh, for more, let's see what Stuart Robson had to say. Interesting stuff from him on the Gavin Jules podcast today. And as a young footballer growing up, I wanted to be maybe Johan Cruyff. I wanted to be Franz Beckenbauer. The reason I didn't want to be Pelle, because I knew I couldn't do those sort of things. I was never going to be that sort of player. Yeah. Whereas I thought I might be able to do the things that Franz Beckenbauer could do. I might be able to do the things that Johan Cruyff could do. You couldn't match what Pelle, because he was a one-off. Uh, a lot more from the Robbo then and Jules on the latest edition of the Gab and Jules podcast, which is available to listen to now. Uh, interesting, we've reached uh, 1 billion views in 2022 for people watching uh, our ESPN wow. FC videos. And the majority, apparently, are for extra time. Well, we like to think so. Anyway, uh, we, of course, put together the best of extra time from the year. So popular it was, we've kind of dragged out a sequel. Let's see how this goes. <laughs> it's the very, very, very first time in the history of this program, have been walking to the studio and one of our guests has said, oh, I forgot my tooth. <laughs> <laughs> Robo, I don't know if you know this, but you may need a software update. I'm not sure what the question was there, but certainly I didn't see today's game, so I think he's going to be... <laughs> you know we got all these people, so-and-so, actress... Influencer. What's that mean? Influencer. <laughs> no, no. Do you think I could get away with Flutherat? I can't even see it. Flutherat. <laughs> don't ask me for the top scorer, the best shoes, I don't know, whatever it can be, individual, individual award. <laughs> I don't <laughs> care. It doesn't <laughs> represent <laughs> my football. Well, my philosophy. Was, was one of the individual awards the best shoes? <laughs> don't ask me about the battle door. <laughs> No, because, because the referees run around all game playing charades. It's all this part, of right? right? And then when they sit players, they're like, no, like, no, no, fuck, no, no. And then they get the spray out. And... 
You're always guessing what they're on about. People in small footballing nations often root for one of the bigger teams in the World Cup or even the Dark Horse. Who will Gav be rooting for? <laughs> I want to know what Raphael is going to do with that. Raphael, now I'm intrigued. What's the project? Now you've got me intrigued, Keith. <laughs> you know why Kay is having this attitude today, right? Well, that hair got done today. Homegirl feeling herself. Homegirl feeling herself. How much would you say that costs? Two dollars. <laughs> Sixty dollars. What? What? Sixty. Wow. Whoa. So you know me, yacht. Okay. Well, normally when I'm when I'm pulling yeah. in, yeah. when I'm pulling in, yeah. you know my yacht. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, pull, I'm pulling it in, isn't I? I like the lawnmower though. Why don't you give us a little rendition? The lawnmower one's good. <laughs> Two thousand five FIFA ratings. Uh huh. What is Shaka's pace? Ali Moreno was 56. Mm-hmm. Shaka Hislop, 65. What? <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is rigged. Here we go. <laughs> Where did you get that? <laughs> <laughs> Shaka, you are famous for not paying for air conditioning. <laughs> when we were doing the show from home, right? We do the show. Okay, you should see how honestly I am chucking up. Now, I have to turn off this AC unit because it's too loud. And I kid you not, I am just sweating like never before. Robo, in the corner of your screen, it says that your Mac needs a software update. And we're seeing that here. I still can't hear what you're saying, Kay. Sorry, go on, say it again. you need an update. Ah. Corinthians Pro Stars Platinum Edition, Don Hutchinson, parentheses West Ham, 360 Limited. $7.49. Not bad, $9.99. Shipping is $24. (laughs) Shaka. Yeah? Where's your tooth? I left it on my desk. (laughs) There's quite a gap facing me here. (laughs) (laughs) What is Ali shooting out of 100? 62. It's the right answer. <laughs> Come on. Hey. We learn more. Influencer and philanthropist. What do you make of Wesley Snyder's comments about him saying he could reach the levels of Messi and Ronaldo, but he just loved wine too much? That's at me saying, you know what? If I had liked Budweiser so much... I could have done what Wesley Snyder's done. They say sometimes the Dutch carry themselves sometimes with a bit of arrogance. Messi and Ronaldo, I mean, goodness, good grief. You, you, you must have seen him in his pod. <laughs> what? I was thinking of Wesley Snipes. <laughs> I was thinking of Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snyder, the footballer. I thought it was the actor. So you think Arsenal's going to be in the top four? Yes. You do? Yes. Can I have a bet with you? Can we go to dinner? No, no. <laughs> 50 bucks they don't, right? You've got to pay up. Okay, all right. Right? Let's do it. Okay? Okay. Right. We end the year, Arsenal seven points clear at the top of the table. <clears throat> the mistake I really made right. was diving in on the bet. So, uh, yeah, I'm wrong. <laughs> I believe Phila- in you. Philanthropist. Hey! All these balls are coming at you in different areas, you've got to hit them. What an outfit. It's fantastic, isn't it? Oh, it's like the, the direct, directing traffic, right? <laughs> what about when they don't want the players coming close to them? 
I don't think you're getting this, Robo. No, I'm your computer, your, your computer needs a software update. It is telling uh, you that right now. It always needs a software update. It never goes right. It's never right. <laughs> I've found Shaka. <laughs> Three pounds. <laughs> your knees are the same colour as the sofas, man. <laughs> Don was asked to pick a side from the best ESPN FC to the worst, and he picked you last. Well, I wouldn't pick me either. <laughs> What's questionable is Shaka's physical. Why is that physical? Stamina? No. No, 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 no. Yes, no, 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 no. 75. Stamina. Come on. But what is weird? Balance. Uh huh. Yeah. 60. <laughs> <laughs> so he can run forever and can't stay up. <laughs> These were taken at carnival. <laughs> oh my goodness. Ian, isn't it incredible? Player of the year. One of the best defenders that England's seen in the domestic league, and it's Steve Nichol. <laughs> yeah, of course. He should have his own team. Stevie, after seeing that, you can't follow that. Stevie's the no. star. <laughs> he was a player. <laughs> I know. That's the thing. People just seem shocked that he ever used to play. They just think why, it's just someone who got in. <laughs> is this video not giving it away that he was a star? He's still a star. Oh, my oh. goodness me. Oh, my. Stevie's story. Why, 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 why is he painting his face yellow? I don't know, Jan. <laughs> I have no idea. It matches his shirt. It matches his shirt, Jan. Yeah. 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 And that shirt's had quite a few outings. Yes. Let's be honest. I mean, yeah. Take a look at those, those clips. <laughs> All right, then. Uh, Stevie's not back for extra time today. Ian and Jan will be, though. Ali, of course, as well. Is he, is he playing uh, virtual reality? What uh, is he doing? As always, uh, you can check that out over on our YouTube channel. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Uh, in La Liga, of course, it's the league taking a break for the Cup as the Copa del Rey is at the round of 32, which sees the big boys introduce Real Madrid taking on Casareño. Uh, that's at 3 p.m. Oh. Eastern on ESPN+. Plus. Are you happy with that? No, you did very well, Dan. Thank I didn't you, have friend. a lot of faith, but you did uh, yeah. very well. They're currently sitting uh, in the fourth tier of Spanish football. Should be a great game for them. Inter City, meanwhile, taking on Barcelona on the Wednesday. And I would like to have gone to Ibiza against Real Betis. I imagine Why that would have been a little 
Ibiza. Ibiza is a fantastic a island. Food? Beautiful. No, no, there is like the naughty bit, but there's a nice bit as well. I've been <laughs> which to one both. I've been to both. <laughs> which one did you go to, Dan? I've been to both, Ali. Oh, okay. They were both enjoyable in different ways. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Dan. That's it. <laughs> Stay tuned. Extra time is next. Welcome into today's edition of Extra Time. Thank you as always for your tweets. Ali with us here in the studio. We say hello to Jan and to Ian. Ian, you haven't shrunk. I think your camera's just kind of slowly moved up as the show has gone on. <laughs> uh, that's all right. That's okay. And the Christmas day, the, 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 the weird Santa thing you had oh, hanging gone. is gone. That's oh, it. No. Christmas is over yep. in the dark household. It is because of Dan, you led a huge protest movement against the Santa and his feelings were very hurt. And oh, he's no. So- for tonight's edition. Oh, wow. I'd like to make an apology then to Santa for that. How was your Christmas, Ian? Did you do a lot of games? Uh, I did uh, a couple of games. Um, but, yeah, very nice Christmas. Thanks for you. Uh, it was good. Yeah, I was here with Craig most of the time. So, oh. you know, oh. there you are. Oh, well. You've got to play the hands oh. you've been dealt. What? Uh, uh, Jan, meanwhile, how, you are in your house in Norway at the moment. I am home, uh, saying hello to my family. I worked yesterday, the 1st of January, but we had a fantastic a new year at our cottage in the mountains with snow. So that was Ooh. brilliant. Oh, beautiful. Very nice. And then you on FA Cup duty or do you got like a week off now? I'm, no, I'm doing, uh, I'm staying home a couple of days and then I'm going over and doing uh, Chelsea against Manchester City. Oh, yeah, that's on Thursday, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Is Darwin Nunez another Timo Werner, Jan? No, he's not. Uh, Timo Werner is Timo Werner and Nunez. I mean, I like Timo Werner as well. I thought I thought he was a bit unlucky with with Chelsea. He didn't get a spell, and there was a lot of things. He came in with COVID, and there were so many different things that Timo Werner coming back to Leipzig. He starts scoring again. No, he is obviously injured, but Nunez will do well. And I said it on the show as well. Uh, David Nunez will be a great player for Liverpool Football Club and he will score a lot of goals. And it's not like he hasn't scored. This is 5-13. I mean, with a price tag, that is not enough, of course. But Nunez will be okay. Just need that goal now because everything now is in his head. You can t- train as much as finishing you will in training. Now you have to sort out your head because you, you just think Nunez to, today, when he's sitting on a bus or whatever he is now, he will think he will never score a game. So you have to tell him, you will, my friend. Uh, on the same subject, Ali, mm-hmm. what would you tell Darwin Nunez to help boost his confidence? Say you're in that Liverpool dressing room. Do you even bother? Uh... Well, it, it depends on what kind of relationship you have with Darwin. But if you are close to Darwin, right. you would say to him, look, you're doing a lot of great things out there. All right? You're putting yourself in good positions. And I know that as a forward, you're like, yeah, I know I'm in good positions, but I need to score. That's what you live off. If he weren't creating dangerous opportunities, I would be more concerned. If he were hiding, I would be more concerned. But he hasn't been doing that. He's been an active participant, so much so that he is the one that has had the opportunities in front of him. I would continue to go to Darwin Nunez. And the best thing that could happen to Darwin Nunez right now is take a shot on goal and a deflection and it goes in. Right. It bounces off your knee and it goes in. You don't even know it's happening. Bounces in, find a tapping, something that becomes an easy goal to score or something that allows you to see a different picture. Right now, he's seeing the same picture time and time again, and that is coming up to the goalkeeper, hitting a wire, hitting off the post, being called offside. When Hugo Sanchez was coaching in La Liga, mm. he famously uh, showed a struggling striker a DVD of all his goals. Oh, well, that's... 
Thank you, Thank you. Appreciate that, Hugo. Yeah, when you were a striker, do you want anyone helping you or giving you advice? Yeah, well, well, it was Hugo Sanchez. Same, a bit older, Hans Krankel, Ian Dark. Ian, Dark, Ian you will know him, uh, one of the best yeah. striker of his generation, played for Barcelona, but played in Vienna, of course. So I went down to Rapid Vienna. I was there. I was not supposed to do a trial, but they still wanted me to train. I was 22, come from Norway, and Hans Krankel was my coach. So we made a training, and he, he did some crosses, and I was I had a good volley shot, and I, I, I hit someone, and then he said, now we turn around. And I said, do you want me to cross you and he was the coach young coach though and I crossed him and he scored and he was celebrating and all the stuff no one I'm meeting he's 70 now in February the 14th of February he says that never happened but believe me that happened that was a real proper goal getter oh there you go um, will you be watching Alnacir games uh, Jan is the next question Will you be watching Alnaz? Ah, uh, uh, yeah, I'll probably have an eye and see how, how Cristiano Ronaldo will be doing there. I think this is just a start as well. I think Garcia and uh, the owners will bring in a couple of other stars. I think that is a part of the deal with, with Cristiano Ronaldo. So yeah, I will probably see the highlights. Oh. I won't, I, I won't sit and watch. <laughs> the live games but I will see of course oh, I will see the goals kind of changed your tune quite quickly there yes, yeah, yes, without having an eye yes. on the game I thought he was watching I, it I, breaking it down and then no it just highlights I'll, guys I'll see a 20 minute 20 second video <laughs> on Twitter at the end <laughs> are there highlights from the Saudi league where well, we'll find don't worry don't worry they'll, they'll turn up Ian yeah. there you go they will turn up uh, so will Salt Bay. Uh, who will finish? Oh, no. lower? <laughs> who will finish lower? Ian, Liverpool, Chelsea, or Tottenham? Mm. Well, cracky! Now, now you're you're picking on some problem clubs there. Uh, I've got a feeling it might be Chelsea. You know, this season because they really are in transition, and mm. you know. They looked quite soft in that game against Nottingham Forest. Um, they looked like they got bullied out of the game in the second half. So things are not right with them. Um, everything's settling down after the Abramovich era. New owners, new manager, some players not really firing anymore. So I've got a feeling this might be one of those seasons for them where no. comparatively a little way down the table. No, no it's going to be Tottenham. I mean, did you see Tottenham yesterday? Did you see, did you see the interviews of Conte? Oh. There is something going on there. Uh, uh, I, I'm 100% sure it's going to be Tottenham. And also, oh. just wait for the speculation with Thomas Tuchel coming to Tottenham. You'll see. That will happen soon. Because this marriage of Conte and Tottenham doesn't, won't, it, it won't last long. Because he's more or less praying for be fired now with the way he's coming together. What's more likely, Jan? Right. Tuchel mm. at Tottenham or Pochettino at Tottenham? Yeah, but should you go back? Isn't that a, a old rule? Should you go back to? It's like it's not like oh, we need a title. Let's bring in Pochettino, is it? Uh, so uh, Thomas Tuchelman, maybe what they need. But but the sad thing, if I may say, for Tottenham is that when Conte with his way of playing is not winning football games, it's so so way away from what Tottenham is history has shown us. They should play good football. So maybe that speaks for. For Pochettino, so I think that's very open. Oh, Ancelotti went back, did right, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. But 
And so they had one before. Well, <laughs> Pochettino. Oh, no, wait. Yeah, but John, please, please don't compare Real Madrid with, with Tottenham. I mean, we are talking titles from here to heaven. I mean, Tottenham hasn't won anything for years, so we can't compare them. We are a long way removed from the uh, running the, the full field sprints. Remember those? Oh, yes, I remember that. Oh. Those are the ones that were really going to showcase the character oh. in the middle of the season. Wow, we filled the show with some rubbish during preseason. <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. All, all these predictions fools of us before long, of course, they always do. That's all right. At least we didn't put any money on it. Well, someone did. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, question for Jan. If the Gunners go on to win the Premier League, could we see that Odegaard might turn out to be the most valuable Norwegian player in the Premier League ahead of Haaland? Mm. Well, first of all, I'm very, very, very proud of Martin Odegaard. In my house now, I remember he was here with his father in this house when he was 16. Uh, I was then the team manager of Norway when we decided... And we, we, we talked or decided, he ended up deciding to go to Real Madrid. Arsenal was on that list at that time as well. And he's been doing fantastic. Uh, well, I, I think that Haaland will be ahead of him. But if it be, if it's the captain of Arsenal, he'll be very close. But you, you just get that feeling that whatever happened, Haaland will end up scoring 40, 45 goals. So I think that's that's going to be hard. But you can imagine for a small country like Norway now, have one or two... Uh, in, in the Premier League this week in both scoring it's it's fantastic and Martin Odegaard he, he looks like a man he needs some beard I need a beard of course but he looks like a man now he looks like a fantastic player maybe the best midfielder in the Premier League at the moment if you could only have dinner with one who would it be Odegaard or Haaland wow no I can, no, no 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 I want I want I want I want to answer that Dan I will have them both I will have them both over there's no dinner. room no it's only one seat that's it <laughs> They can't sit on each other's lap. I can't. I, my answer is I can't cook, so I have to take them out. Yeah, yeah. I think it's Odegaard. Huh? I think it's Odegaard. You think so? I think so. I think so. I, I, well, because he can always go no, back to no, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, there we go. No, you didn't both, vote for both, it, both, <laughs> both, pol- both polite young men, as all Norwegians. Yeah. Everyone is going to talk about how bad Liverpool was, but shouldn't Ian Morbid credit go yeah. to Brentford? Against top six, they only lost to Arsenal. Why can't they challenge for a top four spot? Well, I don't know about top four, but yeah, let's give all the credit to, in the world to, to Brentford, who, of course, were famously described by their own manager as a bus stop in Hounslow when they came into the Premier League. Everybody. They're going straight back down. They didn't go straight back down. They did very, very well. And this next summer, they said, well, yeah, it'll be second seasonitis now for Brentford. They'll they'll go down this mm. time. We're up in seventh place as we're talking. Uh, they're even managing to dream of maybe playing European football next season. And they're a handful for everybody they play against. I think, you know, they hammered Manchester United 4-0. Didn't they win at Manchester City just before the World Cup? They mm-hmm. Uh, Liverpool tonight, so you know it's about time we took them seriously, isn't it? Do you like commentating there, Ian? Yeah, great stadium, particularly under the lights. They really yeah. built that. It, you know, it's not a big capacity, so it always feels really atmospheric. And um, yeah, they've done a great job. It's a wonderful club, really. That you know, a lot of clubs around the country should should have a look yeah. at them and. Well, this is the way we can build ourselves into being a top-flight club that works. Everybody's pulling in the same direction. The ownership's 
great. Uh, the coach is obviously wonderful, and he's just signed a new deal as well. And the players have been on the project. It's you know, and they they did that tonight without Ivan Tony in the team. Ian, what was your favourite match to commentate from the World Cup? Um, from the World Cup, <laughs> I think it was I think it was Morocco um, knocking out Portugal. Um, wow! Because you hate Ronaldo. Mm. No, just because you know I have a, a, a World Cup to at Europe and South America. That and it was great that Morocco made the run that they did, and they they deserved to be where they were to get to the semi-finals. So so when they did that, and they did it cleverly as well, you know, yeah, that, that was that was a great atmosphere. I did the game where Brazil went out as well um, against. So, I mean, the World Cup's fantastic. You know, you cannot top the World Cup because you know the amount of the amount of drama and theatre is is unending every time. The excitement of the World Cup to Atletico Madrid. <laughs> uh, for all, is it time for Simeone to leave Atleti? Is it him or the squad, or have they just been unlucky this year? And where did the lack of trust in Jao Felix come from? How can Atleti get back to title contention in La Liga? Well, it feels like there are about seven questions in there. All I would say is, let me break it down with Diego Simeone. Diego Simeone isn't like just any other manager around the world. Him and Atletico Madrid are intertwined. Yep. The personality of the club as a whole is Diego Simeone. And the sense of belief that is them against the world comes from Diego Simeone. Now, you take him out of the equation, it is a big, big, big void that he's leaving behind. Because it's not only the manager making decisions or the manager who's carrying out training sessions, it's also the personality of who Diego Simeone has become within the club. So it's not easy to move away from Diego Simeone. It's also not easy to ask Diego Simeone to change. Mm. And that's the part that hasn't happened. The evolution of a manager who needs to see a different picture, who needs to find different ways to play the game. And that, one would argue, actually has the resources available in terms of players out on the field to do something different. But he doesn't trust it. Here's when I come on Joao Felix. He doesn't play Joao Felix consistently because he doesn't trust the player. He doesn't believe that the player will do the things that he has asked him to do year after year. And so, therefore, that relationship now is tenuous at best. It really depends on whether Joao Felix is scoring goals. If he's scoring goals, he plays. The moment that he stops scoring goals here and there, he's on the bench. It, it, it really is that clear with Diego Simeone and Joao Felix. As for the title race, they're not contenders this season. Nope. They're 11 points behind, 11 points behind of two teams, Real Madrid and Barcelona. And they would need a collapse from both of them. I don't think both of them are collapsing. And so, therefore, the best that Atletico Madrid can hope for this season is third place. Uh, yeah, and you must have interacted with him quite a bit with your Champions League post-match ways. How do you get on with him? Do you have any sort of relationship with him? Simona. Yeah. No, Simona, I, I'm, as I don't speak Spanish, I've never... I had him, but, I've, but I'm, I've, I've seen him in, of course, in the mix. So, and he's he's the nicest man outside the pitch. And he's, and, really? and, and he's, I think, yeah, I think he's authentic. I think what he's doing on the pitch, on the sideline, it's not, it's not like a, a Hollywood kind of acting thing. That that's how it feels. And I, as, as Alice says, so identifying uh, with the theme. I think his main problem is that 
he, he doesn't develop. I mean, it's great to have a fantastic plan A, but if, if that doesn't work, what happened to B? Did you have a thought of that? So I think <laughs> I'm not with, I, I'm not with Al. I think, I think that Diego Simone now should try to, to go away from that club. Maybe Atletico Madrid then can develop because they have more players. They have a culture there. You can get another voice in. And maybe Diego Simone, that is one of, of, of the last 10 years successful coaches, maybe has to show it that he can do it some, somewhere else. Uh, who's worse to watch, Atletico Madrid or Portsmouth? Ian? Portsmouth have just sacked their man like Danny Cowley. I mean, they're playing appallingly, <laughs> frankly, at the moment. So um, I'm, I'm afraid to say it is Portsmouth. <laughs> Oh, poor Ian. There you go. So not good for South Coast. Hey, why, why do you do that to Ian? Well, because I like... You've got a nice haircut going on. <laughs> He's feeling good about the new year. And then you go and do this. It's, it's because of Dan's allegiances to Southampton, Alex. Yeah, yeah it's very it. strong Southampton oh, supporter. That's it. I see. see. Uh, that is it. We are done. Oh. Thank you very much to everyone. ESPN FC back on your screens tomorrow. Of course, Arsenal against Newcastle. Uh, looking forward to that. I'm off. <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is to not search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com FC. Just go to Indeed.com FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com FC. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.